You talk, or you won't leave this place. Well, all right. I'm... I draw the laundry for the school. Satisfied? That's so. Hmm. Right. You can go. That hurts. Hey! Leave her! Her hands are much too soft. She never worked as a laundry girl. Hello, listening people. Hello. Hello, Bartek. How are you? Good, Ryan. How are you? I'm doing very well. I'm feeling like I'm ready to fight. Mm. I'm ready to show my Polish heritage, which is I'm a fighter. Ooh, I'll, nice. nev- I'll <laughs> never forget. I'll never forget <laughs> that one time when I asked you. I can't even remember what the question was. I think it was just like, what word would you just use to describe the yeah, Polish people? You were like... Very strongly, like very <laughs> affirmative fighter. Well, I wasn't allowed to say anything else because that's what my mama taught me. Oh, is that what she said? When Bartek, when you're a full-grown man with a beard, <laughs> and if if another man asks you what Polish people are using one word, use fighter. And then, when, when not... and then you fought her. <laughs> and then you're like, no. And then you said, like... That's true, because this is the other part of the quote. When Polish people are not fighting against a common enemy, they're fighting with each other. There you go. We got it. So that's the end of the uh, podcast. Uh, thank you very much for attending uh, Polish Heritage. And I'm going to put up. I'm going to put up a big fight. I am. I'm the fourth best crane style user in the world. And I'm the number one tiger user. So, Bartek, we are spin Polish, obviously, because we're spinning and uh, spinning facts. And we're Polish, and we're spitting Polish facts today. Any Polish facts you want to bestow? I just gave the biggest ones, though. Oh, yeah, but those are old ones that we know. Oh, shit. Any new facts? Any that we haven't heard on the pod before? Um... Do you need to phone the Polish president <laughs> to find out any? Because you do phone... have a direct number yeah, towards him. Yeah, I'll, I'll call my stepmom, although I don't know what time it is in Pol- Poland right now. It's important. We need it now. <laughs> in Poland. Ah, uh, Polish facts. Fuck, what's one? Um... You gotta, you gotta hit us. I don't know, man. I... Polish? What's the Polish governing body called? Is it like a parliament? Is it like a congress? Like, what's that called? I think it's a parliament. They have a presidential palace, though, so that kind of sounds a regal. Palace. I think that's what my dad called it. <laughs> Let's go to the Polish presidential I've, palace. I've, I've been there, though. It's not. You that know big. what? I imagine if it, uh, that sentence had more P's than it needed to. Presidential Polish palace. Polish presidential palace, which my papa Piot told me about. <laughs> So that's our Polish fact. Uh, actually, we're a movie podcast, Bartek. We talk about movies. We talk about them and give our thoughts on them. We talk about ones that have come recommended. You recommended the movie for this episode. I did. You usually have a pattern. You recommend foreign movies every second time it's you or whatever it is, every six weeks. American, non-American. So I can go with Australian or whatever. And you picked one this episode I that did. is not an American film, but does have ties to an American film. Ooh. Yes, um, I picked a... I went a bit wild this time. I picked a film I haven't seen before. Ooh. It's very bold. It could have been bad, it could have been good, and I could have been hated or loved. I picked Tiger... 
Sorry. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, like, the Chinese name of this movie. I thought you were actually going to be like, and I picked Tango. And I'm like, okay, Bartek's going out there. I know you can speak Polish, but uh, and, you, and you play Japanese games, but I didn't think that you could speak Chinese. Yeah, that's true. The Japanese people are off screen this time. No, um, it's called Tiger and Crane Fists from 1976, and it is very clearly linked to two episodes ago. And it also has the name Savage Killers. That's true, too. Uh, on IMDb, that's what it's called, I think. Yeah, I noticed that. So, yeah, you were going to say it has a link to a few episodes ago? Yes, this this episode is somewhat going to be a sequel to our Kung Pao episodes because, episode, because this film is the film that most of its footage came from. Yes, this is the film that Kung Pao um, did the abridged version of, you could say, the dubbed over footage this is the real footage because i did ask in that episode i wonder what the context of some of these things actually was in the movie and little did you know that inspired my choice <laughs> so what is your history with this feature length film that we watched um i've seen a film that uses footage from this film oh really which film it's called uh enter the kung fist pow oh is that a sequel th- to to kung pow I think so. No, no, it is Kung Pao. That's right. That's the title. I forgot, uh, I forgot okay. the title. <laughs> it's not Spaceballs 2, The Search for More Money. Yeah. No. <laughs> um. Yeah, obviously we both have not seen this actual film. We've seen the footage used and and, and recontextualized and dubbed over by Steve Oderkirk with uh, Kung Pao. So this is the first time viewing for both of us. So spoilers alert for this uh, Kung Fu movie from the 70s. Um, I'll give you a quick spoiler now. What plot to spoil? <laughs> so if you're really keen on knowing what the caps are for, you'll, you'll go to your grave wondering. Yes, here's a little bit. It's a kung fu film. <laughs> no, no, no. What you should have said is, here's a little bit. <laughs> just do a bunch of the sound effects. Is that going to be our whole entire review is just us making the noises? Because that was the movie. Yeah. Most of the movie was just... <laughs> I... I've seen some kung fu movies, I guess we could say that. Mm-hmm. And they do sound effects a lot, of course. It's a, it's a staple. But this one's... This one was... The sound fucking was... A, fucking aggressive with how much they use it because they used it like nonsensically like sometimes it made sense and then other times they wouldn't use it and you're like well why didn't you use it there and then other times they did use it in situations you're like well why did you use it here yeah they were using it like during dialogue because like you would have <laughs> you would have a bunch of like students you know doing training hitting punching bags while people are talking and even when they're not in the frame, they're just off screen. It's like douche, douche, douche. the people d- editing the film clearly had to put in sound effects that sounded realistic because, like, you know, it's not just going to be realistic, <laughs> realistic, <laughs> matching the rhythm of someone hitting a punching bag. I mean, because um, you're not just going to have it like, oh, cut away from someone else in the scene without them in it, then cut to them there, and suddenly the sounds are back. So yeah, but so, they could have made them quieter. No, louder, louder, <laughs> louder, louder. <laughs> louder. So, um. Tiger, was it, Crane and Tiger Fists? I think it's Tiger and Crane Fists. Tiger and Crane Fists, Tiger, Tiger. Ti- yes, the same <laughs> the same order that Betty talked <laughs> about them in. Right. Tiger, Bertie. We're going to be referring to all of the characters by their Kung Pao names, most likely. I'm not going to call him what he was. He's on called the, Wimplow, and that's what he will on forever the, be. On the way here, I was actually just trying to remember some of them. I know that, like, the... The two main guys, I know their names, but the rest is just, yeah. Yeah, what was the Wimplo guy? He had a good name. Liu like, Kang. Liu Kang, which sounds like a Mortal Kombat character. I think it is a Mortal Kombat 
oh, is that where it got its name from? Clearly. Am I am I am I gonna am I gonna get the receipts out for the Mortal Kombat <laughs> franchise? You fucking hacks! You taking this from Tiger and Crane Fists? Where's Tiger and Crane Fist credit? Huh? I'm not seeing it. But uh, yeah, I look. I am not 100 percent familiar with the kung fu genre. I guess I've seen a few. I've seen Bruce Lee movies, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I've just seen good ones. But this was not good. This was very bad. Um, <laughs> I was bored for a lot of the time, and the most enjoyment I got out of it was noting down what didn't change <laughs> between the translation of Steve Odekirk's version of, like, I... these dynamics are verbatim the same, and that was interesting. That was, yeah, that was one of my big surprises. I didn't realise that this, that Kung Pao's almost, like, a parody of this film. Yeah, except for he, f- yeah, well, yes. Obviously, some things are flipped around, but, the like, I got a huge enjoyment out of seeing, like, the master and Wimplow's relationship is the exact fucking same. Like, like <laughs> the only th- difference is that he's the best student. Yeah, yeah, he's the best, but he still tells him to shut up <laughs> and stop being annoying. You fool! You fool! And he hates him. <laughs> he hates him. So, what did you think of this movie? This film. A big part of my enjoyment was the fact that I know Kung Pao. Um. In a weird way, the fact that I've seen Kung Pao and I saw it recently gave this film a kind of, like, cosy, familiar feeling in a way. <laughs> because you knew what the scenes were going to be, but then you also didn't? That too, but also mostly, like, the settings. Like, oh, here's that temple from the, the, where they do the training. Here's where, this musical where, sting. This musical sting, the sound effects, the things that mm. didn't change. So, as a fan of Kung Pao, there is there was some enjoyable merits to this film. Beyond that, uh, the we watched it English dubbed. Yes. Which that has, we talked about in the Kung Pao episode, there's an inherent enjoyment factor in that to an well, extent. One of the most enjoyable things too is how little Steve Odekirk had to change his version of characters because that's how the dubs sounded for those versions, especially Betty. Betty, the guy who did Betty, sounds pretty much like Steve Odekirk's version of Betty, <laughs> except for Steve Odekirk turned it up just a little bit, but not that much. It's not like the original version of Betty is just like, hello, I'm Villain Man. The original version of Betty is, hello there, I like you. And it's like, it's just <laughs> as stupid as in the Kung Pao one. True, but th- you gotta admit, there was a bit of like a contrast between like the Wimplow voice and him in this film where he sounds like an almost like reasonable adult. <laughs> not in the first act where he's just like being told, you're not going to try and learn my way, are you? No, I'm not. <laughs> the <laughs> <He> tiger <laughs> enters. <laughs> he did He did have some of the Wimplow things. The most different voice was the, he's still alive, Betty. He's still alive, yeah, Betty. he didn't have a voice. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> you, know, you know who didn't change? I, I, I almost wonder, because I know Steve Odekirk did all of the voices, except for Woe's yeah. voice. But there was one voice in this, I'm like, oh, did... This this dub is the exact same, and it's the mayor of the town guy where he's just like, it's it's lovely that you're beating up my citizens. <laughs> he sounded exactly the same. He didn't change a fucking thing when he did that voice. <laughs> I noted I noted him too for various reasons. First of all, yes, his first line is. <laughs> Like, slightly less ridiculous than Kung Pao. He's still welcoming this guy whose goons are beating people up. 
<laughs> he didn't change. In fact, in fact, Steve Odekirk made him a little less silly by the end because in the end he says, like, good job, when he gives him a thumbs up. It's just so absurd. Yeah, this, <laughs> this weird sycophantic character. His voice. <laughs> yes, you killed all the masters. <laughs> you did a great job. I think I would spend a lot of this film trying to pick out, like, what accent is this? Is he, like, an Asian Englishman, an Asian Australian or something? I don't, I don't know, but I did like when um, Master Betty said some line, it was like, you speak like a fool. <laughs> Shut up. And I'm like, he does. He speaks like a fool. Um, The enjoyment factor outside of Kung Pao being this thing, let's try and see if we got actually... Mm-hmm. Did you have any actual genuine feelings about this movie that didn't derive from the fact that we have seen this reimagined i did get some enjoyment out of the story you know as simple as it was um even aside from the fact that i'm looking at betty in another film that villain i felt uh added well to the story because he's this he's int- we, we were wondering like what what was this guy in the original yeah. film and a big surprise, he was almost the same thing, just like an explanation of like, oh, he is invincible other than these two Achilles heels he has. Yeah. Um, And for most of the film, because this is an English dubbed thing that has to, you know, match the lips and stuff, a lot of its explanations feel very blunt and to the point or an almost comedic degree, like in the flashback fight where they keep talking about my style. Yes, feels my like, style. Feels like it could almost be like a fashion battle. Um, and for most of this film, the, the big conflict is like, you cannot defeat this guy unless you master and conjoin these two styles that we have. Yeah. And walking into the film, I thought it was just going to be this simple thing of like, okay, they are going to work together. I'm sure Wimplow guy is going to die because Mm. I've seen his dead body. Yes. It, It was different in this film, but he still died. And when that when that didn't end up happening, despite all the build-up, it was this kind of thing of like, okay, this film has kind of suckered me along with this notion that you need to do this to beat him. So what are they <laughs> going to do now? And I found that kind of interesting. Yeah, I... Okay, my... Mm, did I have genuine entertainment and enjoyment from this movie on actual merits of the movie? I... Oof. Oof, oofa, oofa. I don't know I did. I honestly... That's I okay. Think, I, think, I think it was boring for a lot of it and very predictable. The things that interested me were that weren't from Kung Pao, the stuff that I carry over, were like, oh, okay, you've structured it like this. I would... I don't think I would change this around and focus on this. I was really surprised by, in this movie, Wimplow. I keep calling him that. Yeah, Liu Kang. <laughs> it felt like, even though with how the movie's introduced and how it ends, it felt like he was the protagonist of the movie I think to he, me. I think he was until like he got replaced by the guy that we think was the but, main guy. But that's not how the movie starts. The movie starts with this guy as the protagonist, and he's going to come in and he's going to teach this guy... This, but then it switches, and now he's the main character. And it just was, it felt weird to me. Mm-hmm. It felt like have one of them be the actual protagonist, because by the time you get back to the the main guy, I don't give a shit about him. I, I, I don't know much about him. Mm. He seems arrogant and annoying. And because we spent most of the film 
warming me up as an audience member to Wimp Lowe's character because he starts out sniveling and kind of an asshole, but he becomes noble. But the other guy, he was already at that level the whole time and just kind of standing there with his hands on his hips, being a smart ass and being a smart aleck and just kind of being bland. And then when we go back to him and it's like, and then the girl is wanting him and I'm like, your boyfriend just died heroically and you're instantly on this guy. Mm. Maybe that's a culture thing. I don't know. Or it's just terrible writing. But, like, I, I got frustrated with the movie in that regard. It's like, oh, okay, that's this is my brain. I'm like, okay, make one of them the protagonist, obvious protagonist, and the other one the obvious sidekick character. But this movie kind of wanted it to do... It didn't feel like it wanted to. It felt like it accidentally made it both. It, yeah, it felt like they were going to kind of be sharing the light for a fair bit, but Wimplow dies a bit too early for that to really feel like... You know that 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 that's what happened. Like the most you get between them is like a little bit of conflict, and then his heroic sacrifice away from him. Yeah, and I I was uh, annoyed with that. And then see the villain. The movie starts with the swing, swing, swing in the chain scene, which is amazing. <laughs> and it was just as stupid. And it, and it was like the near the end of what would have been a full scene too. I I just lo- I just lost it because the movie begins and I don't know what the fuck I, I don't know what the fuck happened like I get it in context I think the idea is he's doing what he does in the town where he invited the master of this practice over with his best student and he's going to kill them instantly mm-hmm. but it's like we don't know that at the beginning so it's like the beginning is it's like you've ended halfway through a movie yeah and then like they're all fighting and he's like like one of the first lines is you've given me a good fight or something but they're like just standing there while he's swinging 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 (laughs) his chain and then he kills like he starts killing and fighting them and then it's like oh okay well who the fuck was that guy why do i have to give a shit about this villain guy with the iron like the iron hands like even in kung pao he had to restructure it yeah so that way we actually understood who the fuck this guy is and why i should care because it's like throughout the whole movie i was like okay but what's this guy's deal and then the guy's deal is like he works for japan like, yeah, but what does that mean in the context of this film? I'm sure historically and culturally it means something, but in, like, the context of this film, it's not like the Japanese are, like, a thing that we have to encounter. It's just, like, this one guy, yeah, and I, throughout the whole movie, it's like, and he just wants to prove he's the best. Yeah, I had to okay. I had to read up what all that context meant. It was, like, the Japanese invasion of China in World War Two and stuff. And it's like, okay, cool, that's interesting information, but it's like, what does this do to strengthen him as a villain? Like, Far out. Kung Pao managed to make him make more sense by making him like a sniveling underlord for aliens. Mm-hmm. Because we even got to meet the fucking aliens for a start. Yep. And we got understood what they were about slightly. And like, you know, I, I, oh. It felt also very weird because you first see him on top of this waterfall. He's, he beats them very easily and they flow away and it feels like, oh. The villain has beaten the heroes and he doesn't even have to do anything anymore. The river will just take them away. Yeah. Then it cuts to them running away and the Betty guy's chasing them too. And yeah. it just felt very weird because it's established like, oh, he has underlings later on. Yeah. He, he's gone to this location that throughout the rest of the film is like the safe haven for the main characters. So it has this really weird thing throughout the film. It's like, oh, they're back here. Betty, the Betty guy has been here though. So is it really... It feels like kind of compromised that this is like their safe place. Yeah, and 
the Betty guy, another thing too that, and maybe you could explain this. Maybe, maybe my brain was zoning out and I'm mixing all the uh, the information. Mm. Yeah. Was there an explanation of why he has these fucking metal things there, other than those are his weak spots? Like, what was that? Yeah, I I think he's just meant to be like you know an Achilles character. Like he's he's super strong, but he's got these specific weak points. But does that work in this movie? Where in a in a manner, what you're speaking there is a, like a, a in a way a supernatural esque type of twist or turn or like mythological. Mm. But does that work in this film? Because even in Kung Pao, that was like a constant thread throughout the movie of the the alien aspect, but also like he's the chosen one and the mythological nature and the, the Simba scene in the sky, you know, like even in Kung Pao, that was like a constant thing throughout. So even when we got to the silliness at the end where now Betty's flying and he's got supercharged energy, it made sense. And like the 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 the, the pyramids on him that they had to rip out, his uh what was it, the caps they call them, right? Yeah, the caps. There was an explanation somewhat there, right? Like in my brain I always got it like to get his superpowers, the pyramid aliens put those on him, right? Yeah. But in this, it's like he's just invulnerable to like. But nobody else in the world is magical in any way. It's just this one dude. Yeah, it, it was very weird, and I feel like they even compromised that a bit by having like, <clears throat> you had the scene of him like getting beaten up by the the rods, and mm. it was very funny the fact that it was like basically the exact same in Kung Pao. Oh, yeah. maybe the groin shot might have been. No, better, no, even nope. the kick in the groin at the end is the exact same. Yep. Um. You have that scene establishing, like, oh, you, you really cannot hurt this guy. He only gets defensive when you, like, go for the, yeah, the yeah. pyramids. He doesn't give a shit. But then there are moments later in the film during some of the final fights where he does get staggered a bit by some blows. So it feels like, oh, so he does have, like, some sort of weaknesses? No, at the end they just fell apart because the, 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 the chosen one standing threw fireworks on him and he really reacted to that. <laughs> yeah. Even though every other variant of pain that's been inflicted upon him he's never reacted so it's like oh could you just set him on fire then yeah it, it and also in a way because the, the film suckers me suckered me at least into the whole thing of like oh you need to combine the stars to beat this guy it, it because i was in that zone i wasn't really thinking like oh what if you used weapons like I he does yeah he does i i was like if would a knife to the throat do it yeah, but they're honourable. Yeah. I mean, obviously they are honourable, but, like, the idea never really got brought up despite the fact that he has an iconic weapon. No, exactly. That that they destroy with some fucking, fucking, fucking fireworks and shit. <laughs> that was fucking great. There was another moment, too, that, like, it raises these questions in your brain about how the world works, right? Where, mm. where... Yeah, they, they, they make a statement, it's like, your martial arts is inferior to ours, it only works because of your uh, caps and whatever, and you can't feel pain, but it's like, but but when he was in fights, right, where, where he was actually fighting back, like, mm. most of the time he'd just stand there and let you hit him just to prove that he's awesome, but when he did fight back with his kung fu, he would kick their asses, like, genuinely with his kung fu. Mm. I-, I guess that lends into the idea that he doesn't have to worry about defense, because, like, when you're fighting, you have to, like, not have openings and stuff like that. True, true. So, But, yeah. like, but when he did block them and use defense, he would just decimate them. When he, when he did mm. have to demonstrate defense and offense, he would still kick their asses. That is true, yeah. 
But then he would cheat, right? Because then he would be like, okay, give me my... Because he was going to get beaten by the master, but then he was like, give me my give me my, my iron hands. Was he going to get beaten or was he just like getting more defensive because he went for the pyramids? He went for the pyramids, but he was getting close. He was right. getting close. The master was getting too close because the master is the only other character that knew that you needed both methods. Hence, at the end, when the master does die, he's like, this is how you defeat him. I know this. I almost got there, but I died. That's true. You yeah. have to do this. But if Betty played fair in the courtyard and didn't result to weaponry, the master could have defeated him then and there because the master realized he needed to utilize both methods to kill him right then and there. Mm-hmm. He realized that, but um, he got sick as well. And the it's still very funny. <laughs> scene. The first time you hear his voice, got a big laugh out of me. <laughs> when he started coughing and he's like, I waited for Betty to be like, oh, and again with the snorting. Because it was his, <laughs> no, because his first scene was his version of the, hey, I remember you. Like, and, yeah. <laughs> he's still got like this really croaky kind of voice. Yeah. Weak voice. But I was talking about like, you know, when he starts snorting like a pig, coughing when he's after, defeat, like had the fight with Betty and they're like, please, he's too ill. Or whatever, and he like throws his iron claw at that guy's shirt and rips it, and he, yes. the old master, and, puts and, the cane on him, and it's like, and you have to be like monkey in a pinata. Yeah, what do you get when you cross an owl? <laughs> the bungee cord. I love also that the, the mayor guy still got everyone to clap like twice <laughs> for, for the villain. Oh, there was this one moment, and I can't remember. Ooh, was it the mayor? I think it was the mayor. There was some character where, and I swear it's the dub. Where they said the same word twice in a row, but it was like the exact same audio clip of it twice <laughs> in a row. You want to hear the biggest laugh I got? Sure. We watched this on YouTube. Yes. It's freely available on YouTube. The biggest laugh I got in the movie was the very end when we got the, got the, <laughs> the, co- the copyright notice. The very stern copyright notice. <laughs> when the very angry man was telling you if, you, if you copyright this, you're going to prison, you motherfucker. Here I am, watching it on YouTube. <laughs> Something that he would never conceive in his life because he's talking about VHS tapes. <laughs> And this video's been up there for, like, I don't know how many years. Yeah, five or six. And then he's got this angry... <laughs> he sounded so angry. And he's just like, if you fucking copyright... He might as well have just said, if you ingrates copyright this and show it without the permission yeah, of du- this video distribution, yeah. then you're going to jail. And I hope you go there. Because I want you to die in jail, in prison. Get stabbed by me because I'm the warden. I'm waiting for you. That was the biggest laugh I had because I'm sitting here watching it on my TV. It was the stern school principal at the assembly. That was oh boy, that was a that was a great moment. <laughs> Another thing I didn't like about this movie were was our heroes are um like terrible people. Mm. There was this one moment where, like, Betty's gang... I love how I keep calling him Betty. I don't even remember what his real name was. I remember this. the beginning of his name. It was Liu, but I can't remember the two next names. Liu, So, um... Not to be confused with Lou. Uh, he... His gang is, like, intimidating the town near the end, and there's this one guy who's, like, trying to get out of the town, and he's, like... One of his gang members is like, you look like the guy. Yeah. And that's enough for me. And he starts, like, beating the shit out of this, like, random civilian, and it cuts to our hero... And the girl yeah, pretending they... to be like a you know a husband and wife with a kid type of thing, and they just look at that happen and then just like walk away. Yes. And I'm like, what a hero! 
What a hero. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what a piece of shit. I mean, I understand where he's coming from in that scene, but... No, 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 but at that point, he's like, okay, I'm ready to fight fight the bad guy, right? But I gotta get out of here to figure out what to do. But it's like, you know what? Like, it's a basic. We replaced the Wimplo character, who was a far more heroic person. He literally just got killed because he's such a heroic guy. Then you have this guy, who's the replacement, and it's like, just coldly watches on and lets someone else get beaten probably to death mm. because, you know, well, I don't want to get involved with that because then they'll know it's me. And then, like, I get it. There would be a cascade of events, but it's like, it's not very heroic, mm. you know? Like, could you imagine Superman doing that? <laughs> yeah, not saving the bus. You know, saving. Or whatever that yeah, yeah, let, steel thing was. Let, 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 let the kids die. Um, I don't know, like that, that it was, but there's lots of things like that throughout the movie with him in particular. It was like, oh, this guy's a piece of shit. I don't give a shit about him. Like, like Wimp Lowe's like, come on, let's fight. And he's like, all right, let's fight. And they do their fight. And he's like, what? he practically just wants to kill this guy. I'm like, what a hero. What a great guy. Yeah. He, he definitely it. wasn't as interesting as the, the crane student. No, and he wasn't as interesting as the chosen one in Kung Pao. Yeah. I know that after I watched this film, I actually looked up, like, oh, well, what's the origins of this, like, crane and tiger-style thing? Mm. And it was, like, this fable about how a monk saw a tiger attacking a crane, and the crane, like, used a bunch of these special... Well, not techniques, because it's an animal, but, like... Moves. All these moves to, like, save its other cranes, and like, mm. but also wear down the tiger without really beating it. And I do see some parallels with the Wimpler character in this film because, you know, he sacrificed himself to save the tiger guy, supposedly. Yeah. Um, so th- there was some thought put into there, but it probably, yeah, would have been a much more interesting film if we got him all the way through, even if he does die at the end. Now, we could talk about that type of thing and get really deep and spiritual and philosophical and cultural. Th- that's as much as I know. No, 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 no. We could do so much of that. And if we did, I want the people listening to consider that while the stuff we talk about like that, all of that stuff has the extreme juxtaposition of every scene. There was one that... Every fucking scene. There was one that I didn't notice because it was actually quiet during the scene. Because if you go to the YouTube comments for the one that we watched... It's all Kung Pao references. And, all the time. Yeah, and it's and it's interesting. A lot of them are time-stamping moments and putting, like, the Kung Pao quote in there for, like, you know, trivia spotting. There was one that pointed out in the scene where the tiger master is dying and the guy's, like, you know, rubbing, rubbing him, the wound. You hear a little douche. It's not douche, but there's, like, very gentle, like, clapping every now and then. I heard that. I heard I, that. I missed it. I was like, what it. the fuck was this noise? Because I'm listening to it on my sound system, so I'm like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, and, and the comment was just pointing out, like, how is this more awkward than the one in Kung Pao, where he's, like, almost <laughs> aroused by the fact that he's rubbing him? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. This film was an embarrassment. Oh, did you did you like the, the framing at times where the characters would be like half in frame, half out? <laughs> the camera would slightly pan over. <laughs> at first I thought like, oh, was, was like some of it lost in editing or something? But then the camera would like gently nudge to the side. just to Yeah, see a part of me went, oh, well, this is in 4x3. Maybe the original film was mm. in 16x9 and this is like a VHS transfer, which it is. So maybe it's been cut off a bit, but then the camera would move to accommodate it. So it's like, wait, no. Yeah, no, not, well, not no one, but 
but in some scenes, like, the characters in focus are not, like, the middle of the frame. They're at the edges. It was... It was a crazy ride. And I think, like, there were very few scenes that I saw in the movie that weren't in Kung Pao. Like, the most notable one was the bell scene, mm. where they hid inside the big bell. Yeah, the, the Betty chase. Betty starts smacking that. That's, like, the most prominent one where I was like, I'm surprised he didn't use that. It's because it's pretty funny even in the normal version, but mm. he didn't use that. That, that, was... Like, that was like the most notable thing that I was like, oh, well, that wasn't in... Yeah, and it's like the second thing we see in the film after the river swing Swing, scene. swing, swing in the chain. And again, yeah, it's just so weird because why would he be doing that? He has goons to do that for him. Like, he... he looks so unsure throughout the whole thing. Because he wants to kill them. He knows they're around because he's evil. He's a bad man with not nice feelings and happy feelings all of the time. <laughs> I didn't even mention that line in our Kung Pao review, which is no, one I use a true, lot. That's true. That's true. I'm a happy man with nice feelings all the time. <laughs> um, no, I. <sighs> the music was annoying, just like it wasn't Kung Pao, but it made me appreciate that it's just the music. I thought Kung Pao was like replicating. Yeah, I'm again just restating. I'm surprised at how much was just lifted from this film, <laughs> even in like sound and dialogue. <laughs> the most awkward moment in Kung Pao is the most awkward moment in this movie too, which is the moment in which uh, they're in the dojo or whatever it is, where they're all the guys outside of training and Wimplo is talking to the chosen one, and then it like before it cuts, just before it cuts. The big, loud, dramatic, sexy music plays, and it cuts to the girl. You know that scene I'm talking about? Like, I can't replicate it with my mouth. The music sting, mm. but it's like there's this. There this was something corny, like that. <laughs> this corny, very 1970s Asian-esque inspired, like it you know, obviously music, but it's like weirdly 70s, but weirdly period piece and it just like cuts to her to let us know that she's an interest of love or something and it's in Kung Pao and I always thought oh that was a joke but it's in this as well it's the exact same and I'm like oh you didn't have to change a fucking thing did you yeah. like do, do we retract some praise for Kung Pao because of no this? no I praise it harder <laughs> okay. because you 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 didn't even need to recontextualize some of this shit um yeah, the voices were really funny in the dub because there are so many that did not have to change. Like, there were so many weird accents in this. Like, like you said, like, some of them had a real strong American vibe. Like, the main dude. Like, the main guy. There were so many times where I felt like he was a King of the Hill character when he talked. Mm. Because, like, the guy who played Wimp Low, he had a slightly, you know... Asian inflection. It wasn't just like I'm an American man talking here. But then the other dude, like our actual hero man. Yeah, the tiger student. There were many moments in which he would just talk and I was waiting for him to say y'all or <laughs> or stuff like that. You know, I was waiting for, for Alex from the Contrarians podcast to dub over this guy. <laughs> like there was so many moments where I'm like, oh this guy's not even trying to to sound like what that guy would look like what that guy looks like. Emulate no no, but that's a part of dubbing, right? That's always like one of the fun things where you get some guy to come in and be like, yeah, but I've got this type of accent and I'm not changing it, <laughs> even though the character wouldn't. That's a lot of nuts. <laughs> I love how the contrast of that character, like he spoke very gently and politely compared to, that's a lot of nuts. And he, he still just asked, laughed with nuts. And he still asked for $4. <laughs> 
That's the, that's the hand gesture. Well, he you did the hand use. gesture, so they couldn't change that. My finger points. So <laughs> yeah, uh, what else do you want to say about this? Was there anything surprising to you in terms of like things that just happened in the movie, differences, or like any other like kind of things where you went, oh, that didn't really change, or oh, this was placed here instead of there, like any of that kind of stuff? Um, in terms of things that didn't change, a lot of the stuff later in the film where he's training with the girl, mm-hmm. like that that scene with the candle that like pans to her, and you back. can defeat him now. Yeah, that the fact that that was like almost the exact same, and then his like imagination sequences of like the ways he could do it, it was like the exact same things, lines, yeah. comedic. Like, but was it a comedy in that scene? But in that scene, it was done slower though. Like it took a lot longer to get to like the point he was making when it cut to like the the cutaway gags, I guess, of yeah. him being punched and kicked and. Whatever, like, he just said it so much slower because the footage was a little bit yeah. longer. And he than... wasn't saying things like, I'll pretend to be a bird, but that would be stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and the goofy faces. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I thought was an interesting change around in terms of, like, editing stuff is the I'm a birdie too scene in which he, in Kung Pao, like, all of that's edited differently. Like, in Kung Pao, that I'm a Birdie 2 scene is, like, in the midst of them killing the master, but in the actual movie, it's when they're trying to get her, get the girl, and she runs and does the, in the original Kung Pao, in the, in, in the original, in the Kung Pao movie, that leads to the chosen one, I'm coming, yeah. chosen one, I'm coming, chosen one, I'm coming. You're right, yeah, that was in the movie. While in the scene where the master does get killed what he's reacting to is he can hear this swing swing swinging of the chain because Mm. he's not subtle and he doesn't even try the art of surprise and the audio is very loud and another thing within the armor birdie 2 edit that's different that i found interesting is in this version in the original film it starts out with with betty doing the bird noises and the camera pans over to the other crew doing the noises, but in the Kung Pao version, it's the opposite way around because the joke has to be they're making bird noises, cut to the master reacting, then cut to Betty going, and I'm just a birdie too, right? So the ordering of things are different for the comedic punch there. I I don't think I remember his goons being in that scene in Mm. in this film. No, they were. They They were. were. But it was all one shot. It Mm -hmm. was like... Him doing the noises, and then a slow pan over, and it's his dudes rising up, making the noises. Mm-hmm. But in the Kung Pao version, it's edited and cut yeah, around. I remember the different. Kung Pao so, version, yeah. So it was nice to see those little things and seeing, like, okay, he, 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 he like, in Kung Pao, he had the comedy m- mindset, so he knew he had to rearrange these pieces. Because while watching it, most of it, it, it does play out pretty much the same. Like, there's a surprising amount of stuff that, it, like, whole scenes where he didn't really have to change that much but little moments like that uh, are fun to note down because there's obviously the big changes where you know people change outfits and whatever in the kung pao version and he has to comment on that but it's like now your clothes are blue uh, red clothes red. <laughs> Ooh, that's tender and he cuts to his foot bleeding right <laughs> which isn't in this movie but uh uh yeah, I liked a lot of that. I like noting down that stuff and being like, okay. And noting down like scenes that originally in like originally in the Kung Pao version had CGI added to it and ones in this that obviously didn't. Mm-hmm. 
and seeing like why he chose these scenes to be the ones with CGI elements and why he didn't choose others. Um, it was interesting in that regard. I can't think of much else to say about it other than like it was just funny on its own. Like the dub of it was funny and the visuals of it were funny and the fact that so little is actually explained but also too much is explained was also very funny to me. Yeah, I, I figured that was just like a martial arts thing because like I watched a few weeks ago The Big Boss and mm. the Bruce Lee film in Rome, which The Way of the Dragon, and yeah. both in both of those films, once the final fight is done, you're like 10 seconds away from the credits. Like mm. the, the point of this film is done. And like I said earlier with the English dubbing, like getting directly to the point, I think, and I don't want to generalize, but I think, yeah, martial arts films tend to just get right to the point. Uh, not which, really which not really the fists yeah the fists the fighting and once the final fight is done the credits will be there in a sec no they're 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 there right away yes but we also got the <laughs> the very stern man the very <laughs> angry man saying you motherfucker how could you do this how could you do this i can't believe you've done this how could you have done this i can't get you out of this one um <laughs> so <laughs> Uh, anything else you want to say about this? I, I'm trying to think if there's any other things other than the woman had a more thankless role in this one than in Kung Pao. <laughs> I remember you said in Kung Pao, you said you could tell by her performance that she's a real solemn character, and like you were like, I adding, did say that, and, yeah, <laughs> and then in this, it's like she's none of those things either. I forgot all about that, so but in, I did say that. So in this version, she's still like a fucking piece of like like stupid trash characters like. <laughs> giggly and like making weird statements and like not at all like a, a strong woman the best bit one well, of the best bits was when when she's like i work at the laundry of this place and he's like okay and then he's like her hands are too soft she doesn't do laundry <laughs> and i'm like go get her like that was the strongest moment in which she like just hit a bunch of guys for no re- no reason and then walked away and then they were like go follow you know, like, let her go. Um, yeah, but I wanted to bring that up because you were like, yeah, you can tell by her performance. It's like, you no, know, if anything, she's more pathetic in this movie. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> and then she was in Kung Pao where she would go, oh, wee, oh, wee, oh, wee. You can defeat him now. She didn't have a father in this film, though. No, no, no. She was just some woman. She was Wimp Lowe's childhood friend that loved him. That was something. How weird was it noticing noticing in this movie that there were so many moments that he was was the Wimplo character in Kung Pao. Like, there were whole sections of this movie where it was like, oh, this was Wimplo? Not mm. the other guy. Right. Okay. Like... Oh, right. Yeah, the, the new footage in Kung Pao that was standing in. Yeah, when he was standing yeah. in. Like, like the his chosen de- one. Yeah, his death. He's deaf. Because like, in this film, he dies by, like, waterboarding, and then he drifts away in the river. Yeah, yeah. But, like, there was, like, a majority of the film, it's, like, the stuff he's actually going over is the Wimp Low character more so than the main guy character. And mainly, the stuff he goes over with the main guy character is the beginning of the movie and the end of the movie, because that's how much this main guy character actually meant in the mm. grand scheme of things. Yeah, we haven't even said his name. I don't even remember it. It was like Sung Shang, but... Okay, Steve. <laughs> so, Steve... Uh, <laughs> Steve Fox. Uh, yeah. From, that's a different martial arts film. <laughs> film. Um, it was a film. 
I was talking about <laughs> Steve Fox from Double the Fist. But Oh, okay. Sorry, I'll throw you Tekken. <laughs> okay, let's settle it and agree that um we're gonna go with Mortal Kombat characters again. Yeah, Luke Kang. <laughs> Luke Kang. Um, you know, I was surprised by that. Like I was surprised, like, oh wow, he really Wimp Low one was a major character in the original movie. Like in the Kung Pao one, it's like, oh, he's this pathetic side character, right? But in this one, it's like, like I said, he's he's a protagonist, and I was surprised to see how much footage was actually of his character, mm-hmm. not of the other guy. I agree. Um, like the master dying scene, that was Wimp Low because Wimp Low, that's his master, that's who he cares about. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Uh, are you ready to hear recommendation for next episode? I guess just before that, do we recommend this film? No. What about as a fan of Kung Pao? Like, just to find all, like, Yeah, I guess so. uh, Because I'm kind of like that too, yeah. You can watch it while you're doing other things. Mm Mm-hmm. I agree. I don't think you need to do what I did, which is sit there on your couch, dedicate your full attention to it, because it doesn't work. (laughs) I did it in bed and it was fine. It works in the way Steve Odekirk did it, which is he watches it and just makes fun of it and then <laughs> probably wrote some things down. If you want to do it like that, just make fun of it, then this could be a good group movie once you could have groups properly. It could, yeah. Where, but I wonder what it would be like for a group of people who haven't seen Kung Pao. That's a good point, yeah. My finger points. So, yeah. Um, it's my recommendation next. It is. So I'm recommending a sci-fi movie from the 1980s. Ooh, a skiffy. A skiffy, yes. Um, it is called Enemy Mine, which stars Dennis Quaid, brother of Randy. Um, so that will be a fun time. Which one was in Rock and Bullwinkle? Uh, Randy. Randy. And this one has Dennis? Dennis. Okay, so we got both Quades. I didn't even remember Quade was in Rocky and Bullwinkle. I was just trying to remember, like, which film was it that we had a Quade in? I don't even... I think it was Rocky and Bullwinkle. I, you know, you got me by the balls. Maybe. You got me by the balls <laughs> with these Quade bros, but... If I'm wrong, you can point it out next episode. Oh, 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 come in and be like, who the fuck were you talking about? That was a different... He hung, he hung out with Bullwinkle and, like, the fax machine, right? Oh, far out. You got me. You know what? I, I'll say yes. Okay. That sounds familiar. Because that's right. Rocking Bullwinkle, like a major plot point was it relied on facts. <laughs> um, not facts, but facts. Uh, so that's it. Uh, where can people find us on the interweb? Other than obviously people make sure to check out Enemy Mind between the episodes that you're all caught up so we could you can join in on the discussion in terms of your listening. That's yes, how you join in. We will spoil it. Probably. But you can join in on our social media. Yes, we are on Facebook. We have a page called Spit and Polish Presents. We are on Twitter under the same name. Mm-hmm. We uh, upload our episodes onto many different websites. Podbean, Apple Podcasts. Spanish One. Spanish One, Google Plays, iHeartRadio. We're on, I think, all of them. All of them. All of them. Uh, and you can email us directly at spitandpolished at gmail.com. You got it in one, Bartek, but I think the only way to end this episode now is with an intense fight of our different styles. Mine is of the spit style, yours is of the Polish style. Yes, I know I said at the beginning I'm the fourth best crane style user, but I mostly use Polish style. He uses Polish style, which, like, is, which, <laughs> is, which is fighter. Yes, well, I, I'm copying that new Tekken character, the Polish woman. 
Polish woman character in Tekken? They just got added like a few weeks ago. I like ago. how you said it like I should know. Sorry, I thought... You know, I you thought don't I, mind how, thought, how there's a new Polish Tekken character? <laughs> of course like, there is. I think Polish. she's like the prime I minister I thought we said we're moving away from Tekken. <laughs> we were moving towards Mortal Kombat. We're going to get into Mortal Kombat right now. Play the Mortal Kombat music. <laughs> oh, yeah, get copyrighted. <laughs> oh, what happens if we do copyright uh, uh, DMCAs? That's what happens. Okay, and uh, just to end the episode, everyone, um, if you copy the recording of this episode onto a format like a public viewing or or for resell or VHS transfer. <laughs> Or, God forbid, another VHS transfer in, like, a higher aspect ratio. We'll be very disappointed. We will be very disappointed. We'll be coming for you. (laughs) We'll be killing your family. We'll be killing your family. And if you're in the other room, you'll know that it'll happen because of all the douche, douche, douche. I'm going to kill you, your friends, your family, your dog. If you've got a dog, dead. They're gone. They're buried. Your panda, definitely out of here. Your bear, gone. Dead. Destroyed. Fully sick. You're out of here. And we'll forgive you if you can tell us what that is a reference to. 